Well, some of you have met my, my best friend who, who doesn't know he's my friend. Um, this is Shane Claiborne. <laughs> he's funny. This is Shane Claiborne. He lives out in Philadelphia in a pretty rough neighborhood, though he's originally from East Tennessee. He grew up in a United Methodist church, though he doesn't really identify with any one denomination now. He's been married for a little over 10 years, and though a lot of kids see him as a father figure, he doesn't have any biological children of his own. He's written a good number of books, but he doesn't consider himself an author. He went, he went to clown school, and he still likes to clown around when he gets a chance, but he doesn't get paid to be a, a clown these days. He went to seminary, and he preaches on occasion, but he was never ordained, and so he thinks he really shouldn't call himself a preacher. So it, it hit him kind of hard a while back when he had to fill out his information card for his high school reunion. Like, how did he want people to know him? What did he want them to know about him? Like, who he was? What, what did he even do? Like, his classmates were putting together a directory of everyone attending the reunion, and Shane knew that the heading current profession would be one of the first things that people looked at to try to identify who is Shane now, because that's how we define ourselves, right? So often in America, that's how we categorize ourselves. It's not the kind of candy we choose necessarily. It's what job we are. Too often, that's how we signify our value and our worth as human beings, by what we do. Because you are what you do. Or worse, you are what you earn. Stephen Vallis, he's a professor emeritus of sociology at Northeastern University, he puts it this way, whether it's personal fulfillment, social inclusion, or respectability, in the U.S., work is the single most important way of proving your worth as a person. And so there's Shane Claiborne staring at this class reunion information card knowing that this one line is going to define his value, his worth, all that he is for the people he went to school with. And so he thinks about it and he says, well, mostly I'm a follower of Jesus. That's what I do. I follow Jesus. And Jesus told us that the greatest commandment was to love the Lord our God and to love our neighbor. He told us to love one another as he loved us, so I guess that, that's what I am. I'm a lover. <laughs> so he put Shane Claiborne, lover. <laughs> I love his response because it's true. Like, it's biblical, right? And it's definitely going to get people talking at the reunion. But what about you all? You know, like imagine you go back to your 10th high school reunion, 10 years after high school. That's a decent amount of time to begin to make something of yourself, to begin to define yourself. And let's say you've got this one question to answer, one line to fill out on your class reunion information card, one space to define yourself, your totality of who you are. For everybody in that room, how would you want to be known? What would you write? Who are you? 
Well, as we head into our second week of this sermon series called Belonging, we have a scripture that I think helps us all with this question. It maybe even gives us an answer we could all use at our next high school reunion. This is Psalm 139. A heads up, I'm going to read the whole thing. So listen up. It's not short, but I hope you hear all of it. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from far away. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, O Lord, you know it completely. You hem me in behind and before. You lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is so high I cannot attain it. Where can I go from your spirit or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and settle at the farthest limits of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me. Your right hand shall hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness, the darkness shall cover me and the light around me become night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day, for darkness is as light to you. For it was you who formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, that I know very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes beheld my unformed substance. In your book were written all the days that were formed for me, when none of them as yet existed. How weighty to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. I try to count them, and they are more than the sand. I come to the end, and I am still with you. Oh, that you would kill the wicked, O God, and that the bloodthirsty would depart from me. Those who speak of you maliciously and lift themselves up against you for evil, do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with perfect hatred. I count them my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my thoughts. See if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord God, lead us and guide us today. Search us as we share together in worship of you. We know that you know us, all of us. So we know you need what we need to hear. And so lead us, Lord, this day. Guide us to the way everlasting. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So I've asked some of my friends, or I asked a friend to ask some of my other friends to uh, pass out some name tags and, and some pens. Some of you have pens already, but if you need one, they've got some. So everybody in here, if you'll take, take, take a name tag, um, they, look, they, look, they look like name tags. I had one, and then I lost it. So, but now you have one, so that works. They look like this, actually, exactly like that. And what I want you to do is just write like this. Write your first name, but write it on the top. Leave space underneath your name. So write your name on the top. If you need help, you can ask your neighbor what your name is and, and write it up there. 
And then once you're done writing your name, I want you to take a few moments. Don't write anything else. So leave the rest blank. But I do want you to take a few moments, some time to yourself to think. If I'm walking into my high school reunion and I haven't seen these people in at least 10 years, and a lot has changed, I've changed, what would I write under my name so that they know me, that they know who I am? Don't write anything, just think about that as you stare at the the blank space. Would you write your current profession under there? Maybe you'd write your net worth, right? Like, look at me. Maybe you'd write that you're a parent or a grandparent, which would be really impressive at your 10th anniversary reunion. Maybe you'd write an adjective, you know, Mike, happy, content, frustrated, lonely, malcontent. Again, don't write anything, just consider it. Because you see, we all desire to be known by the people around us. We desire to be seen for who we are, to be valued, to be understood. And even though we often boil ourselves down to our professions or our jobs, as Dr. Vallis says, for Americans, it's the single most important way of proving your worth. Even though we continue to ask our kids what they want to be when they grow up, not who they want to be, by the way, right? What do you want to be? Even though we just got done asking a whole slew of incoming college freshmen, what are you going to be when you grow up? College high school freshmen already, right? You got to choose these classes in your freshman year so you can get the right major the first year of your college year so you can get the right job when you graduate. Even though I continue to ask myself, hey, Mike, what are you going to be when you finally grow up? Even though we keep seeing each other as our jobs, we we all know we're more than that, right? We're more than what we do. We're more than what we do for a paycheck. If only people would take the time to get to know, to get to know us, to get to know me as a person. I think that's why this psalm is so beautiful. Psalm 139, it's beautiful because it's simple. And it can change your life and the lives of those around you if you'd only believe it, right? You know when I sit down and when I rise up, Lord. You discern my thoughts from far away. You search out my path and my lying down. You are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, O Lord, you know it completely. In this life where all of us yearn to be known, truly known for who we are, there is one who does know us. There is one who knows you, knows everything about you, everything about you, has searched every particle of our being and knows us. And who is that? God. The Lord our God knows us completely, has known us from the beginning, for it was you who formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, Lord. I know that very well. This is the God who knit us together, formed us, created us. And for the record, all you got to do 
is read the first chapter of the Bible to know that everything God makes is what? Good. And it was good. And it's not just good when it gets to people, it was what? Very good, wonderfully good, fearfully and wonderfully made. There's a song, um, it's called Everything Glorious. Uh, it's by the David Crowder band. By the way, David Crowder is also one of my best friends who doesn't know he's my friend. Why are my friends so weird looking? <laughs> anyway, we've sung this a few times in the second service, but the chorus goes like this. It's really simple, like the psalm. You make everything glorious. You make everything glorious. You make everything glorious, and I am yours. So what does that make me? Right. When it first came out, actually, the words made some Christians a little uncomfortable. Some a little upset. I mean, like, did it hit anyone that, did you feel a little awkward reading that? Like, am I calling myself glory? Am I allowed to call myself glorious? Isn't that bragging? Is that... Is that vanity? Am I being egotistical? Aren't I supposed to be humble? I can't call myself glorious. Fabulous, maybe. <laughs> and yet, this is exactly what the writer of Psalm 139 is saying. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I was knit together by the Lord God Almighty, and what God makes is good. It's very good, and God knows me, everything about me. God knew everything, like everything, all the stuff. The good, the bad, the ugly, the shameful, the joyful, the awkward, and the just plain weird. God knows all I've said, all I've done, all that's been done to me, and yet God still cares for me. God knew what our days would be when he knit us together, and yet here we are, despite it all. He didn't look and be like, oh, Mike's going to do that. I better, uh, I better pull out those stitches before I get them all the way put together, if that's what he's going to do. For all that we are, for all that we've done, for all that's been done to us, no matter our jobs, our careers, or our lack thereof, no matter our income or our outgo or our net worth, we, you, me, all of us, we were worth the life of God's only begotten Son. Right? Like, despite all our junk, God knew all of it, and He gave His Son for us anyway. So I need to take that name tag, and underneath your name, write, Child of God. Child of God. You are a child of God. You know, despite all the other stuff, despite all your success, all your failures, despite all the times you've gotten it so right, despite all the times you were wrong, I gave up trying to play along last night at Trivia Night after the third round because I was wrong too many times. <laughs> you are a child of God. And that, Dr. Vallis, is the single most important way of knowing your worth. You can go to the next one. I skipped one. Whether it's personal fulfillment, social inclusion, or respectability in God's kingdom, being fully known and loved by God is the single most important way of knowing that you have worth as a person. 
But there's a flip side to this. There's, there's always a flip side in the Bible. So if you're brave, I hope you're all brave today. I want you to go ahead and peel off your name tag and stick it, stick it on, you, on your shirt or on your top. I'm, lear- I'm learning gender-inclusive language. You can stick it on your top. Claim your identity as a child of God and most importantly, claim your worth and value as a child of God. And now that you know that you are of worth, now that you know you have value, now that you know you are fearfully and wonderfully made, I want you to do something. Now that you know you are glorious, turn and look at your neighbor. What do you see? A child of God. What else do you know about that person next to you? Maybe you do know their occupation. Maybe you know their net worth. Maybe you know about the, that thing they did back in seventh grade, because we all did a thing in seventh grade. It's what seventh graders do. They're shady. Maybe you don't know much more than that person's name and the fact that they sit in that same seat every Sunday. And now because how long have you been sitting near that person and you only now just learned their name because they put a dumb name tag on their shirt? But here's the thing. No matter how well you know that person next to you, no matter what you think about that person next to you, the only thing you really need to know in order to treat them as they should be treated is that God knows them. That God knows everything about them. That God has searched them and known them and still calls them his child. And that person is glorious in the eyes of God and of inestimable worth. Even the the price of his son. And not just that person next to you, but every single human being on this planet fearfully and wonderfully made that person who hasn't mown their lawn in three weeks and is bringing the neighborhood down, that person who waited until they ran all his items at the checkout to pull out his checkbook, and who writes checks anymore anyway? That person who who cut you off, that person who got your order wrong, that person who hurt you, that person you hurt, that person you hate, that person is fearfully and wonderfully made God knows that person too and sent his son for them too. You know, we're talking about God's love for all people over the course of this sermon series and we're talking especially about God's heart for people with disabilities and that's one of the reasons we're launching Good People Cafe to provide a place for individuals with disabilities to find employment, to find purpose, to experience God's passion for them, because in a country where we define our value by our occupation, it's a hard truth that just 21% of people with disabilities were employed in 2022. Does that mean only 21% of persons with disabilities are seen as of worth or as valuable in our country? And if our world isn't seeing a person's worth for a job, what does that say about the world's perspective on their worth as a person, their value as a person So we've been looking for other restaurants uh, across the area that make it a point of hiring individuals with disabilities, and we discovered one of those, the Hive, down in the Ozarks, and they include this cool card. It comes out of the Occupational 
um, therapy program at Missouri State. They put this together for them. It's a card they leave on their tables to help their customers see the employees as people of worth. And here's what the, the card says. It says, we love to serve you. Please be patient with us. Give yourself extra time when visiting. How often are we in a hurry and we fail to see another human being for a human being because we're too busy thinking about our watch? Allow us time to listen, process, and understand. I need that on my shirt as a pastor sometimes. I need time to process. Be willing to repeat yourself when asked. This is a big one. Assume competence. Believe that the employees have the ability to assist you. Speak to the employees, not the person assisting them. And remember to use first-person language. That not, not that special needs boy took my order. Instead, Dylan took my order. And of course, remember the golden rule. Treat us as you would like to be treated. And it hit me when I read this. I mean, it could say, Remember, you're a child of God, and so is the person serving you. We all have the same worth, the same value, the same amount of gloriousness. Because we're all created and known by the same God. We're all fearfully and wonderfully made. And here we think that in launching the Good People Cafe, we're doing this good thing. We're helping to provide some basic job training and job skills for individuals in the disability community. But maybe... Maybe what we're actually doing and what places like the Hive and the Ozarks is doing or Golden Scoop and Overland Park is doing, maybe what we're really doing is providing the rest of the world some basic humanity training. Maybe places like these are places where individuals who haven't been overlooked because of a disability can go to learn how to treat all people as children of God. Where we can learn to be patient with all people. Where we can learn to assume competence before writing another child off God off as incompetent. Where we can learn to speak to one another as fellow children of God. Where we can use person-first language about all the persons that we meet. Because Lord knows. No, no, really, Lord knows. He knows all of us. He searched us and knows us, knit us together and whatnot. He, the Lord knows that all of us could use some more training to see ourselves, even ourselves as children of God, so that we're able to see all people as having equal worth as children of God. Amen? Amen.